Hi, everyone, and welcome again to the Comics Deserve Better podcast, where we talk everything we can about independent comics. If you like independent comics, you've come to the right place. If you don't, please stay, because you might like it at the end, because we're pretty (laughs) cool people, if I do say so myself. And with me, as always, are Carrie. Hello. And Richard. Hey, how we doing? Hey. How are you? Well. Good. Good so far. We got uh, Darcy. Uh, Darcy's our. Uh, yes. We, we have her in the field this week. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Darcy's out fighting aliens for us today. <laughs> uh, up on the, up on Mars. So, <laughs> no, she, she unfortunately can't be with us today, but she will be coming back probably next week, hopefully, and because uh, I think it is her choice next week. So she. No, wait, no, uh, no, no. She'll be back. Don't but worry. She will be back. For all you Darcy stands out there, Darcy she'll be stands. back. Everyone's a Darcy stand. Okay, so we'll go ahead and get into everything. We have a uh, a very thieveries in the in the trees type of episode today, so we'll go ahead and get this started. <laughs> <laughs> Please go. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll go ahead and first start with the DIY corner real quick. I've been waiting fervently for. Um, Tapato Go, where we mentioned earlier uh, this season that they were going to start doing Kickstarter type uh, crowdfunding for comics. And uh, they have a new series that has just come out. It's uh, called Back. Uh, this is actually book three, the final book of the series. It's based on a, it's actually a collection of, of, uh, of a webcomic. And the, the quick uh, overview of this is that it says that since 2014, we've witnessed these exploits of lone cowgirl Abigail, who woke up in a grave and was told that she was the key to the end of the world by a trio of witches. So that's the beginning of it. And obviously it's gone far from there since we are towards the end. But here's the lowdown of this. One, art looks really cool. The, the, the premise sounds pretty cool. Uh, it is book three. You can, one of the uh, levels you can donate, you can get books one and two, also a physical copy. Book three um, by itself is $30, which is a lot for a comic. However, it's 512 pages and it's fully colored and it includes like sketches and like exclusive content in the back. Stuff that you can't even get on on the website for the webcomic. So I think $30 is a pretty good price for that. And then... If you get all three books, it's 60 bucks. So you're talking about $20 a book. And then one of those books happens to be 500 pages. I don't know how many pages books one or two are, but still 20 bucks a book for a $500, 500 page book. I mean, that's, that's a value. That ain't bad. <laughs> yep. Yes. So this morning, um, when I first opened up the, um, the URL, they were at $1,800 out of um, $15,000 goal. And I was like, oh, wow, they have a long way, long way to go. Uh, right now, when I reopened up the, uh, the URL, the, the, the page, they're at $8,140. So oh, they, awesome. they are now 54% funded. Uh, and they have 22 days remaining, which is great because the stretch goals consist of a sticker sheet and... Uh, and a, a patch, and that's for $20,000 um, if they hit that goal. So they look like they're on their way there. And then if um, they hit 30,000, uh, they get every physical order gets two sticker sheets and a second patch. So 
uh, that's a you know, a good reason to try to uh, to donate to this besides getting the book. And the book is huge, five hundred twelve pages. That's awesome. It looks it looks super fun. I love that uh, super Meat Boy New Grounds art style. Yes, like, <laughs> it's one of those things that like it always like it makes me nostalgic. It makes me feel younger because like I remember <laughs> when that was like very new and very fresh on the internet. So it's always gonna bring a smile to my face. Yeah, it, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. I like, I like the the, the stick legs and stick arms, and then like kind of like the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the full body and, and big heads. It's it's all good stuff. All right. Well, I think then now I will go ahead and hit our spotlight section. I actually have a short spotlight this week, so I'm gonna go first because usually it's like I've been talking this whole time, but I'll just get my talking out of the way. Um, the it's not it's not short because um it's not you know a bad book or we or that it's a bad book or something it's short because it's hard for me to describe a silent comic sometimes and this is one of those situations this is actually something i recommended to darcy who's the big silent comic person on this podcast to uh, check out and i'm actually going to double down on that or let's say quadruple down on that because it's a four issue series um, and every issue is going to be silent. This entire series is going to be a silent comic, you know, so that's something kind of groundbreaking. I mean, you'll get a silent issue every once in a while, but an actual entirely silent series, that's pretty cool. And the series I'm talking about came out a couple weeks ago. It's called Step by the Bloody Step. It's by Cy Spurrier, uh, Mat- Matias Bergara, and Matthias Lopes, and graphic Lopez. design. Lo- is it Lopez? Oh, it's Lopez. Lopez. Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. It's, there's an S at the end. I, it, it caught me. Matthias Lopez and Emma Price on graphic design. So, like I said, it's um, from Image Comics, but like I said, it's completely silent. Uh, the, the, the first two, you know, obviously Cy Spurrier is kind of a big name. So is uh, Mat- Matias Bragara and the, the, those two names together sound familiar. They did a series a few years ago together called Coda that came out from Boom Studios, I believe. And that's another gorgeous book. That was a book. I read the first few issues. Um, I think something came up and I kind of like forgot to read the rest of it, but it's something that mean, I didn't mean to come back to because I am a big Cy Spurrier fan and you can't beat this art. This art is amazing. Uh, and the art is definitely on display here. And this is a story. It's kind of like they're in a fantasy world uh, where it's this, this tiny little girl who wakes up and she's being protected by a guardian. And that guardian happens to be a like 20 foot tall Titan <laughs> that's like in armor. And, and this, and so she's riding in the hand of, of this, this Titan as they explore this world. It first starts in a kind of snowy area. And then they end up kind of in a weird kind of like boggy place. Um, and when, and obviously this between these two characters, mostly there's so there's, there's no talking then, but when they finally get into a village, um, there is dialogue, but the reason why this is still a silent comic that dialogue is all in symbols. It's it's not it's not um, readable by the reader. <laughs> you know, like you can't tell what they're saying. You can just you can you just see that they're talking. And so um, they do visit a village. It doesn't go as great as well. It goes about as great as you could possibly imagine <laughs> when you're by yourselves in a in a weird fantasy land, and all of a sudden you reach a village. You know that out of nowhere, you know things might not go too well. So. Um, it's overall 
like I said, uh, come for the art. The storytelling is really good as well. I, um, I just lack the ability without some exposition to give a full story. So I'm, I'm hoping I'm, I'm hoping I'm still selling it though. It's really good, and I, um, I want everyone to check it out because it's definitely gorgeous. I was gonna say, Bagar's art is absolutely gorgeous in here. Like, <laughs> yeah, and he's on a different level right now on this on yeah. this book. This is insane. Um, so I didn't pick this book up, but next time I go to my uh, local comic shop, I definitely will give it a look. This is beautiful. Yeah, it's awesome. Definitely. And Darcy, if you are re- listening to this episode, pick, you know, read this book <laughs> and check out the series when it comes out. The next issues. Okay. All right, let's go to our next person. Who will it be? I will choose Carrie. Oh, okay. Why Hello. don't you go next? I'm just going to um stay up, say up front that um we just got back from our first real vacation, and then I'm sort of exhausted, so yep. forgive me. Um, so my spotlight is The Corpse by Mike Mignola, Matt Hollingsworth, and Pat Brissell dark horse it's actually a hellboy tale from 1995 um it is uh i read it while we were on vacation because we had to download a bunch of books so we could um because we didn't have internet access but it was really good so basically um this short story is about hellboy um goes to go help some like irish couple and their baby's gone and um, the babies, the baby that they have looks like their baby, but they're like, hell no, it's not our baby. He puts iron to the baby's head and the baby is like, fuck you, because it's actually like a little demon thing. And the baby tells him in like some weird riddle that, oh, you know, go see these three men by the crossroads or whatever, and they'll help you with the baby. So he scampers away. And basically, Hellboy has to bury this dead body that is beloved by someone don't make me remember the name Mm -hmm. and he has to because this person was beloved it's only fitting that they have a christian burial so they have to get buried in a christian um cemetery hellboy has literally like eight hours to do this and there's only five cemeteries that these three little leprechaun dudes or whatever will accept. I'm sure there is a better way to explain this. I apologize. Oh, I'm fine. not familiar with like the folklore, so I don't know the proper name. So just bear with me. So they go and he like the whole evening he progresses and is trying to find um, a cemetery that will take him. But like he ends up getting battled by the occupants of the cemetery and they're all saying like no more room no more room and hellboy's like not having it and then i guess also the dead body stinks really bad mm-hmm. so he's also just like this mf or stinks like i have to bury him so he goes and um he's about to make it to the last cemetery that will take him before daybreak so the little three little men who made him that deal were like you know we may be evil, but like our word is the only thing that we have. So we have to honor it. And the little demon shapeshifter baby guy was just like, no, this man made a, like Hellboy made a fool and a mockery of me. I'm going to get back at him. So he goes 
and like makes this demon thing rise from a grave to battle Hellboy. It's a big pig. <laughs> yeah, like a big pig. And so Hellboy like defeats him, buries the stinky dude in the nick of time. And um, he ends up going back to the little baby and he puts the same piece of iron. It's a horseshoe. And he taps the baby in the head. And the baby was just like, goo goo gaga. And then he's like, okay, cool. Baby's all right. And so he picks up the baby. To, and the baby's like playing with fairies. And it's just like so chill. But then he takes the baby home to his parents or to their parents. And that is the story. It was really fun. It was really entertaining. Um, I actually was reading it and I was getting like tattoo inspiration because some of the imagery was just pretty amazing. And I love the coloring. I think the coloring is always so excellent for um, old Hellboy short stories. So definitely um if you are i have a really hard time getting into older comic book series or like not older but like long running because i'm so overwhelmed on where to start like i feel like i'm dumb if i start midway or like at a current part because i won't get any of the back matter so i feel like short stories for something so established like hellboy is really good because you get like these little blips and you get enough of the character to know what the character is about and you get a really fun, you get a really fun story and it's a quick read. So I, I definitely appreciate those types of things. So that is my spotlight. Yeah. The, nice. The the long narrative um Hellboy stories are good, but I feel like the the short stories are really where the character shines because he's a paranormal investigator. Yeah, for and, sure. And these are like his these are his investigations essentially, you know? And the this is definitely one of the best short stories because in the and then obviously I think a lot of people think that too because the imagery was used once in the the original Hellboy movie um, with, the, oh, okay. with with the corpse around his neck and the corpse is talking to him. It's a little bit different in the movie, but this one is basically just telling him to go here, go there, or there's gold underneath there. Why don't you get? That I remember gold? that, yeah. Um, and, but and then um, and then uh, the um. The the re the the reboot in two thousand seven was it seventeen or no it was two thousand nineteen, um that actually has um the one of the characters is it's it's a flashback and it's and it's, it's the is the baby, that, oh that was okay rescued. so so yeah they they've used it a few times but there's nothing like the original the comic and artwork is obviously amazing, um I read the first five volumes of, of Hellboy while we were away on vacation. And nice. I have to say that because um, it's been 20 years since I've read those five volumes and that's as far as I had got before. And I got to tell you, it's like, it's better than I expected it to be. Like, I was like, kind of like, Oh, I'm going to read it. And it's going to, you know, obviously I've been reading comics a lot longer now than I did back then. And I'm not going to like it as much, but no, that's it's, this is definitely a power series. And there's a reason why it's so, so popular. So it's uh, uh, interesting. I've never read any Hellboy. Um, I think we talked about it when we covered uh, yeah. uh, the Hellboy, the first Hellboy movie. So I've never read any Hellboy mm -hmm. and I really wasn't into it just visually anything about it. And the more comics I've read, like, like that style, it, I don't know, it just has grown on me. It's super evocative. Like, you know, what Mignola does, no one else is doing, so it looks super interesting. And just flipping through the corpse now, I'm like, all right, I need to read this because it just looks, it just, it looks like something that young me would be into, but like me today is like, oh yeah, no, like I'd eat this up. <laughs> yeah, the fact that all the colors in, in the stories particularly are flat, except for Hellboy, and he's just bright red. 
It's just right. Super, yeah, everything cool. else is super muted, and then he mm-hmm. just stands out. Yeah. And, you know, a, a, a six and a half foot tall <laughs> demon man with a rock arm or rock hand and definitely I, should stand out. I think it's good. I like the Hellboy stories because I think it's good for someone who, like me, it's just like to, for a lack of a better way to put it, he's a recognizable superhero that's not a superhero. Mm-hmm. And so, like the imagery of Hellboy himself, you're like, oh, cool. I know that big red dude. He looks familiar because of the, the movies, even if the movies are, aren't good. I don't know what you guys think. They're fine. So, like, you know, like the imagery is like accessible. And so you read the mm-hmm. stories and the stories are just like so much more in depth and they're so like they the characters so much more evolved than what I remember the movies ever being that I mm-hmm. think it's a good gateway into a long-standing series, or even if you're just like, oh cool, it's just something again accessible and familiar that you can just kind of jump right in. And I do like the short stories. Yeah. I think they're cool. There were there was an animated, you know, they did the animated uh, Hellboy movies when the first movie came out um, back in the early 2000s, and those were really good. But I honestly feel if they do a reboot of Hellboy again, it needs to be kind of like an animated serial. And because then you can get these like short stories, standalones, and then you can also get your overarching, you know, story kind of going throughout the season. Because Hellboy grows as a character, you know. And you don't really get that in the comics. Oh, I'm sorry, not I mean not the comics in the movies. You don't get the, you don't get as much growth in the movies. You know, he just likes to punch big things and save the day. Although we did get my mom to watch Hellboy because we told her it was the same actor from Sons of Anarchy, and she loved Sons of Anarchy, and she's like, "Oh, cool, I'll watch it." We're like not the same character, but the same actor. I think she was disappointed in Hellboy though after she watched it. (laughs) (laughs) She was expecting like drug dealing and like murder. She didn't get it. Well, that's hilarious. (laughs) Okay, Richard, how about how about yourself? How what is your spotlight this week? Um, I read a comic. So this was actually a book that I picked up a while ago, but like I never jumped in it. So uh, it's Sacred Six uh, by Dynamite. And this is a book that I picked up uh, almost purely by the creative team. It's written by Christopher Priest with art by uh, Jay Lee and Gabriel Ibada. Yeah. Um, nice rolling so, of the R's, by the way. I appreciate oh, I'm, that. I, I'm from Miami. <laughs> you, you got to. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, like, I don't, Jay Lee doesn't do a lot of books anymore. <laughs> so anytime I see Jay Lee art, like it's like a siren song for me. I'm automatically going to go in that direction. As well as anything Christopher Priest writes, I know like the floor is so high that it could, you know, it's going to be at least pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I think this is going to be a theme for me on today's show. This book was really fun, really good. But it's a part of the Vampirella universe, which I've never read any Vampirella. Mm-hmm. And this was definitely, I was jumping in on the uh, middle of the conversation. Like, the <laughs> yeah. So, like, I'm jumping in on this uh, first issue of this book. But, like, I mean, there's some world building, but this is a world that exists. And I needed a lot of, uh, like, there's a lot of... Um, uh, footnotes in here that's like you should have read Vampirella issue four you should have read this <laughs> but basically um it's set up in our world but uh everybody seems to know that vampires and monsters and like ghouls exist 
So you have a town that's um, called uh, Ashtern. And basically, mm-hmm. it's a vampire town, but it's all vampires that are like have sworn off of eating humans. And then you have uh, another city that's a city of sacred. It's like old school vampires, and it's like you can't get caught in the city of sacred after dark because you you are now food. And <laughs> so basically, um, in this first issue, it's showing you like history of some of the vampires in the books because some of them have been alive for like millennia. And also it's showing you like the literal like street political situation of these towns where there's humans, there's vampires, there's vampires that don't eat humans. There's uh, and there's of course vampires that devour humans. There's also zombies. (laughs) Yeah, there's just a lot going on, but the art is impeccable. Unfortunately for me, Jay Lee only kind of draws a flashback, like the first maybe four or five pages of the issue you know like the framing device however gabriel ibada is art it's it's kind of evocative of jaylee but it's gorgeous in its own right cool so definitely i I mean i don't know how much more of the series like it definitely it hooks me but like i'm also like um to what uh carrie was saying like i was like i feel like i have to go back and read so much more lore before i read issue two of this so i don't know if i'm gonna make that commitment yet but it's (laughs) definitely a good book and absolutely gorgeous it awesome. looks really cool. Um, and uh, I did read um, Christopher Priest's um, Vampirella run, like the first six or seven issues of that. And that was, that was oh. pretty good too. So, and if, if that, and that felt kind of like a, maybe probably was more of an entry point than Sacred Six. So that might be yeah, a I'm place, sure. place to start. Um, but, but no, that, yeah, this looks pretty cool. And, and it, it's, the name is invocative to uh, one of the best DC, uh, yeah, no, that's part of the reason why I bought it. I was <laughs> yeah. like, Sacred Six. I was like, I do love Secret Six. So. Yep. No, definitely. And yeah, Christopher Priest, I feel like there's certain writers that like, he's been around forever. Like your your Mark Wade, your Peter David's like, the floor is so high that like, yeah. even if even like if Christopher Priest phones something in, like he doesn't hear, but even if he did, it could only be but so bad. But yeah, no, this is good <laughs> stuff. Yeah, like a, a, a paycheck uh, effort by like priest or like wade or someone like that is like equal to like you know some of the best work of some other writers yeah so, right right so yeah exactly until i totally get it and and he's been gone for a while i mean like christopher priest was doing like so much stuff um in in like 2019 especially like with deathstroke and and he had right, that's right. when the vampirella st- series was going on yeah so yeah this is a 2020 book i think it's spun directly out of that uh 2019 vampirella yeah, so he, yeah, he's just coming. It's just, it's just interesting that he kind of just disappeared, and it's kind of cool to see. But but I feel like he does that a lot because he's a dude that's been in around since I think the early '80s, and it's like that's true. You, you you have him. He'll be working on a bunch of stuff that he just kind of leaves the comic industry for a few years, and he comes back. You know, like I don't know if he falls in and out of love with it. Um, I think oh. he has in the past because I've read some. I've read a couple interviews with him, but like yeah, or or, or maybe he's just good with money and it's just like oh i've worked enough that i could take some time off I hope it's that. <laughs> maybe he's a maybe he's a vampire and he needs to to go sleep for a few decades and then come also back also true he's like yeah I'll pop. i mean he's been around that long in, uh, yeah. in, the, in the industry this long and he looks great so maybe he is a vampire that makes as much sense as anything else exactly. he yeah he created dora Milaje, didn't he in in black panther Yes. Like, yeah. So that's how long he's been around because that the Dora Milaje. But like he was writing because um Christopher P- Priest is a uh I don't know if it's legally changed but it's a pen name 
and he was writing uh for marvel in like i want to say the early 80s oh wow yeah yeah because uh if you ever look at old credits i think his his real name or his original name is james owsley oh and he's all, yeah he's all over like i think he started as like an editor for marvel and he, he like writes a lot of early marvel you know in dc and he was like you know one of the first prominent black writers so it's like oh like i, I remember yeah. reading an interview it's like people like they, they request me for a book and it's like well, I don't want to write Black Panther again, and um, I don't want to write your Black Lightning book. So, what are you going to give me? Because yeah. <laughs> he, he was just exactly. like, I'd always get Black assignments, and it's like, <laughs> and he's like, well, I love those characters. I'm not just that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Spread spreads wings a little bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, now really fun book. I mean, like I said, I I, I I have the first like three or four issues like banging around here, but I really feel like I need to read that Vampirella book to get the context. So I'll see mm-hmm. if I make the time. No, yeah, it looks really cool, though. Very cool. Yeah, definitely. Okay. All right. It looks like we're are at our main subject right now for our comic book podcast that we are recording at this very moment mm-hmm. that you are listening to at this very moment. <laughs> Brian's just saying this to stall as he looks something up. So we. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? I had it in front of me the entire time. Um, no, um, the, uh, the the book we um, we read this week is "A Thief Among the Trees: An Ember in the Ashes" graphic novel by Sava Tahir and Sonia Lau, and this was Carrie's choice. So I will go ahead and give the microphone over here to Carrie, and she can let us know a little bit about the book and also why she chose it. I'm legit laying down, by the way. I'm like super cozy in my bed. But anyways. Um, so if you hear some I'm tired. We'll make sure she's not off while she's talking. Okay. So um, I know that, that that can't happen. Okay. So um, this was my way of sneaking in YA fiction into this um, podcast. I, on this day of international women. Um, yes, we're recording on Tuesday. Where it's International Women's Day. And it's Women's History Month. So um, I chose... What about Men's History Month? God yeah. damn it. Men, men, men. <laughs> they need to be talked about more. I'm so impressed. Only 99% <laughs> of things are about, about men. <laughs> so, That's right. That's yeah. right. I want that extra 1%, wow. damn it. <laughs> this is why I wanted Darcy. <laughs> An alpha. <laughs> the quota over here. Anyways. So like... Um, <laughs> You guys made me lose my fucking momentum. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, it was funny. Okay, so um, this. Oh, thank you, Brian, for showing me that. Because <laughs> I, I pulled the book. Laying up. down, so he brought up the book for me. Okay, so um, Sabah, or Ba, as a lot of um, as she refers to herself, is a Pakistani American, uh, best international and New York Times best-selling uh. YA author and she wrote a, a YA fantasy series called An Ember in the Ashes. It's four books and A Thief Among the Trees is a uh, prequel to this. And mm-hmm. so um, before we get into the book, I'm actually just going, I think this would have helped you guys because I'm just going to read the um, what the uh, the actual series is about. So that okay, so in a fantasy world inspired by ancient Rome, 
The story follows a girl named Leia spying for rebels against the reigning empire in exchange for their help in rescuing her captive brother and a boy named Elias struggling to free himself from being an enforcer of a tyrannical regime. So the novel series is narrated in first person, alternating between the viewpoints of Leia and Elias. If you guys are um, Sabah fans, there's a lot of um, fanfic or not, or, you know, like fan pics and fan art of um, the two main characters getting together and falling in love and all this stuff and having children at, at some point. So anyways, um, the prequel that we read follows Helen, Elias, and Tavi, who are on an assignment for the Empire. They're in training. So they have to go steal something, it's potion, from an island and return back. So they're on a mission. Um, Helen is like, okay, so... I'll, also, Helen is white, blonde hair, blue eye. Tavi and Elias are dark skinned and they were born and raised outside of the empire. The, um, that matters because Helen, who is not their same coloring, is very honored to have been chosen for this prestigious like military school and working for the empire and serving the empire boys who were raised outside of the, of the outskirts of the empire who probably aren't really seen as like true citizens of the empire um remember life being a different way and are have conflicting emotions about serving and, and being trained by the empire as a military um soldier so anyways they go and they're on this mission on an island. Um, they're following Helen's lead to go to the north. They get ambushed. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of like language that's used um, that if you don't know the book series, you don't know what it means. So like fivers are like the kids who are like basically like the military students. Um, uh, and there's other I can't think of it right now but there's other language and it's just like uh like they use the word bleeding instead of fucking like you can just tell like that's what they're implying um like that's like and then um you know 10 hells like in 10 hells is like their way of saying well like you know whatever it's like a slang term or whatever so um there's a group of there's so basically they're there to steal put like poison from apparently I'm confused they're there to steal poison from people who work for the empire for the military school and so that was confusing me yes. as well yes. <laughs> that was like aren't they all part of the empire I don't know, that was my question yeah because yeah, so like, it, it, it seemed like a mission against the empire for the empire and I was the whole every time I read it I was just like okay i was like i think i follow but i'm not 100 percent sure so there was basically a disgraced soldier named titus who was sent to this island which is an outpost of the empire's military regime to work for the empire but basically he got like a shitty military posting and he's doing things that are against empire protocol but even mm. though the empire knows he's doing 
So they're basically sending these students to fuck with Titus because the Empire, spoiler alert, does not give a shit about any of those kids. And they literally look like they're 14. Like they're drawn very young. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so the the military school, Black Blackfoot, Blacklight, something, they don't give a shit. So they send these kids to do this hella dangerous mission because Titus is essentially armed with these really high trained guards and military people who are just going to fucking kill anybody that goes on the island. So yeah, the Empire is condoning the actions of Titus, but also not really. So they're just... Uh, essentially this whole mission is to not care about the kids and to get back at Titus for fucking around. So they send these kids, um, they have five days to complete it. They have to row boats and all this bullshit. They go, they're following Helen's lead because Helen has no filter and she's ready to go like fight at a moment's notice. But Elias is, is very well trained and he's very calculating. Um, they get split up. He gets like pulled away in the ocean. Um, he ends up going to a different part of the island. He sees that the empire, and this is empire, like quote unquote approved. He sees that they're testing the poison on small slave children. And so he's like, that's not cool. And it shakes him. And it's, he's visibly shaken like the entire time. And so um, he won't talk to Tavi or Helen about it. They all kind of get pissed off at each other, but they still have to be, you know, there on the mission. So they get end up getting, because they're not the only ones on the mission. There's other kids. But the way that the military is training them is that they're not to care about anything else other than their objective. So the kids, the trio actually gets ambushed by another trio of students who are ready to fucking kill them because they're like, yeah, we're actually just going to use you guys to like complete the mission and get out of here. Um, because apparently if they fail, failing is worse to them than dying in the course of action. And mm-hmm. so they go and they end up Elias ends up convincing everybody to like work together even though the other group like begrudgingly wants to so um they do they steal the needed vials of poison to complete the mission they all jam um until and then there's a couple of dope dopes there's a couple of boats docked that they're all gonna like get away on because apparently like these catamaran boat type things only hold three people and there's teams of three so they're like chill we can like steal these and go and then um Elias Hell and um Tavi get ambushed by twin brothers who that that threw me for a loop for a second I'm like who the fuck are these people and so they go (laughs) and they get ambushed by twin brothers um and they the rest of the potion that they had for to complete their personal mission gets stolen by the boys and the boys jam and steal the boat so they're fucked Tavi's dad is an apothecary alchemist type of person so he's like cool I know how this person like I know how my dad distills point like distills potions I think by the actions of these guards and this like these apothecary people they're 
their supply is running low. They're distilling. I know what to do to make more so we can get our vials and get the fuck out. So they dress up in, they steal clothing like the little apothecary people. They sneak in, they grab vials. Um, they sneak or they grab some push and they sneak out. They get wood, they're distilling. And there's moments of tension between um, Elias and Helen and Elias and Tavi. Um, as Tavi's working, they notice that he looks really tired. So they're like, dude, you need a rest? And he's like, no, 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 I'm good. Well, you look down and um, Tavi has a cut from like some of the battles and he has potion in it or not potion, poison, poison thank you. So once you ingest or get the poison in your system, it's a death sentence. Um, he doesn't have enough of it to like die instantaneously, but he is dying. So they go and they um, they get caught by Titus, the main dude. Titus basically says, okay, I'll let you go with two bottles of potion if you kill or poison if you kill a friend. So basically every kid has to take back a, a vial. He's like, I will give you the vials, but you have to choose one of your friends to kill. And Elias is like, fuck, you know. And then he goes up to Helen and then he's like, you do it. And then she's like, no. And he goes up to Tavi. He's like, you do it. And he's like, nah, I'm good. And so, but Tavi already looks really horrible. And so um, Titus is going to kill these kids anyways. And then um, I don't remember. They escape. They escape. So they get out. Um, they're able to, they're going to run back. And, they, and then uh, they were able to like, have their poison and like have their vials and they're running, they're running. And then um Tavi's growing weaker like by the minute. And then Elias is like, no, 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 we gotta get you out of here. And then Tavi's like, no, you know I'm not gonna make it. And then he's like, I have something to do. And Tavi wears a necklace. Like almost like they look to me, they signify like prayer beads, That's but I could have been like reading into it. So he takes off the necklace and he gives it to Elias and he's like, tell my father what I've done. He's like, I'm going to like, I'm going to bounce. Like I'm going to go. So Elias is like very upset. Helen wants to go after him. They're like, and then Elias is like, no, he's our friend. You know, he's, if he's dying and like, we honor him by honoring his last wishes. And like, if we stay, we die. So we got to go. And so they go, they leave, they're able to escape. Plus, Tavi and, knows about the the slave kids, and Ta- and and Elias confided in Tavi yeah. about. Thank you for reminding me about that because I didn't say that. Right. He knows about the testing on these slave kids. So as they're going away on the boat, and like Titus and his crew are like chasing after them and trying to kill them with arrows, like you see in the background this huge fire, and the guards start noticing it and start running towards the fire. And Helen asks. Um, Elias like why is there smoke so what I didn't mention earlier is that Tavi and Elias when Elias told Tavi about the slave kids Tavi was like we have to help them and Elias is like no our only objective excuse me he's like our only objective is this mission our own safety we got to get the hell out and Tavi or yeah no yeah Tavi it was just like but these kids are younger than us and we're different like you know, like, like basically insinuating that like the regime of the military is corrupt. It's not good. And that like to be human is to like have empathy and that, that that's more important in that moment 
than following the orders or the commands of like an authority, an authority figure that like to, to be human, you have to remember that there's other people around you and that if people need help, you should help them. It's essentially the conversation. So Elias is just concerned. I think Elias is also very scared throughout this whole thing because he's realizing how fucked up this whole world is. So he's like, no, we just need to do it and go. And um, Tavi had mentioned earlier that like we can set fire to the camp because they all live and work in oiled tents, like oiled canvas tents. Um. It turns out that he does. He he destroys the camp. He gets he creates a fire like with fire arrows, and the kids were able to escape. So you learned that, and then, um, also, Elias decides to go honor like Tavi's last wish and go see his father on the outskirts of the empire. Apparently, if you left the empire or you left the school without permission, you could get um, lashed for it. And so he was like, I don't care. Like, I need to go honor my friend. So he goes to um, deliver the news of, of the death of Tavi to Tavi's dad and give um, his dad Tavi's necklace. So there's there's not a lot of dialogue in these scenes. It's actually drawn really beautifully because it's Elias sitting at a table with the dad. And you can, I mean, you can hear the conversation in your head of him explaining to him how Tavi's death happened. And at the very end of that little panel, you just see the dad with his head in his hands and he's sobbing and he walks um, Elias to the door and he tells them like, they can beat your, they can beat your body. They can break your bones. They can fuck with your mind. You know, they don't say it like that, but you know, like they can do all these things to you physically. They cannot touch your spirit. That is the one thing these people cannot do is touch your spirit. And that's what you need to remember. And so, like, as Elias is leaving his dad, like, his dad, uh, Tavi's dad ends up giving Elias a big hug. And then it ends. And it's, I enjoyed it because I thought, especially, especially now, you know, with the world on fire like it is, I felt, even though this book is a couple of years old, I felt it was like really poignant because I think as people we need to remember that it we still have empathy and kindness and concern and we still have our spirits like the world can shit on us but we can we can still find those grains of like humanity within ourselves to care for other people and I know it's really hard because sometimes we just have to be like, fuck everyone. I'm going to be in my little show. I'm going to mm-hmm. take care of me because that's all I can handle. And I get that. And that's fine. But at the same time, we have to come out a little bit and unharden ourselves and be a little bit more caring about others or else we just turn into like machinations of like weird pseudo humans and who only function on some sort of small level because all we care about is our own life and I don't think you can truly live if you're like that because I don't think life is kind to you if you can't find a little bit of empathy for others and so I felt like the book was really poignant in that respect um and I 
it was very confusing and I'm not going to lie about that. I, I think you do have to have a little bit more understanding than even I do about the book series. Um, but I thought it was well-written. I mean, the art was fine. I loved the coloring. Um, and I thought the story itself was good, but it, it is confusing if you have no idea what the hell the rest <laughs> of the story is about. But if, but if you just take it in and of itself, yeah, it's a pretty good story. It's no, just it's a, the lore's confusing. It's definitely a good story. The thing is, is this um, the world was the the world in general. Like this, this isolated story is pretty hopeful. But the, mm-hmm. the world itself was so bleak for me. Like I was just like, yeah. oh, this is a bummer. And the yeah. thing is, is that like as you know, what we were talking about, what we were confused about is like as these battles are for nothing, like these people are willing to kill each other for nothing because everyone that seems to be fighting is ostensibly on the same side. Like this is just an exercise of the empire to like yeah. call the call the weak, basically, uh-huh. more or less. Uh-huh. <laughs> like like it just felt so shitty and then also i was actually kind of annoyed with the main characters because it's like um like there was an unwillingness by uh tavi and uh elias to kill but then again i'm like aren't you in killer school <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah this is what you're supposed to yeah do. right right like it's just like either you're in or you're out like it just it yeah. felt very weird and like like <laughs> Like just their lives seem super depressing. Yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah, I and like um the art is gorgeous, but um like until I read like a good 20, 30 pages of this, I assumed that they were all girls because they mm-hmm. and I, I'm sure that this is by design that like they're all just warriors, but like they all seem pretty genderless. And I guess since they're young, their body types are the same, but it all seemed very effeminate. And like, it was like, I was like, oh, wait, like, it was finally when I see Elias and then they mentioned, I was like, oh, he's a boy. Like, I was a bit confused with that. And I mean, it doesn't like, there's no, you know, like sexual tension or anything. So the fact that they're men or women, you know, it doesn't really play into the story at all. But like, I I just, I was kind of, it was just one of those things that that was a little confusing. Yeah, I I agree with that. I thought Tavi, because I didn't know who, I didn't know Tavi was the short for Octavius. Um, Right. No, Tavi, I thought I was a a woman up until he's telling us about his father. Yes, yes, yes. So I, that's when I discovered it too. And I feel like that could have been almost intentional because of the type of schooling it is because they don't give a shit about those kids yeah, they're all they're all the same they're all excitable right. yeah yeah right. no no it's definitely by design but again since we don't have context for those exactly. earlier books yeah. it just kind of confused the heck out of me yeah also the two dudes at the end that robbed them i was just like wait who are these guys <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. Uh, nowhere <laughs> But, but yeah, no, it was just so bleak. Like even that other team that they ostensibly work with, it was like, hey, these are, if not friends, acquaintances. We all know each other. And those dudes were ready to kill them at the drop of a dime. And I was just like, exactly. mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it's, you know, the news and everything that's going up. I was like, oh, this is so bleak for yeah. me right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, so yeah, definitely, I mean, we've, we've kind of all mentioned it, um, you know, like, kind of jumping into the story without really knowing anything about about the story um you know about about the the, the story that this com- this comes from was definitely kind of made it a little more difficult to kind of figure out what was going on because of, of the verbiage used and stuff like that but um 
it was still enjoyable. I liked it. Um, and and I also I kind of because um, of the bleakness as well as the kind of the setting of the story, plus also um, uh, there's certain JRPGs, uh, specifically um, Final Fantasy series that by design throw you in the middle of the story and then mm-hmm. make you learn the language of the universe um, while you're playing. And like you, you, your first hour or two hours of a Final Fantasy game is like, like you know, like like um, six and, and and beyond. You know, a lot you, of proper nouns with very little context. Exactly. You're like <laughs> materia. What the hell's materia? And who's Sid? And who's Cloud? You know, like like what what's going on here? You know, like um and like so so yeah like uh, you know I think that's the kind of vibe I got and and like and just like a Final Fantasy game um you know like i you know by the end i got it i understood you know i i you know more or less like what what was what and who was who and yet there was kind of a a a question of like okay they're part of the empire but then they're attacking the empire but then when especially now when carrie kind of explained it i kind of got a colonel kurtz uh, apocalypse now uh kind of vibe where where the guy who's running the poison camp basically pulled a you know, like now we're doing things my way and we're no longer listening to the Empire. And that's why they were sent out to the Empire to, to take care of it. So and it, and uh, it works as well as Apocalypse Tower or Hard Darkness, whichever one you're a fan of. <laughs> yeah, I actually got like a real uh, Lord of the Flies vibe from the kids. Yes. Um, yes. Just a, you know, when when children are left unattended, this is why watch your fucking kids in public, please, <laughs> yes. for the love of God. Because I think when they're left to their own devices and their their base primal instincts have to come out because they need to survive. And if you strip them again of humanity, they do uh, of their humanity, they do become very animalistic. And I think that's that's even though the story was confusing because again we don't know a lot about it, um, but the, the lore it it felt familiar so you mm-hmm. can kind of roll with it you're like okay i kind of know why these kids are acting like this like that um little there's a i don't know his name but there's a little um like there's like dex and some like two other boys the ones that hold the elias and tavi and helen um like essentially hostage they uh they all have backstory with the three other main characters and elias is talking about that and that's part of his reasoning for not killing is that like, I know these guys, I, we right. school together. Um, Dex's little brother just finished year one. So Dex needs to see his little brother and blah, blah, blah. And there is one moment where Dex is saying, God, I hate this. And if I hate this, how's my little brother going to hate this when he does this mission? And it's mm. just like, Oh shit. They're, he has to go through this exact same fucking thing whatever year they are year four or whatever year five with those with you know the little brother has to do it and that gave me real um battle royale vibes and i know Mm -hmm. i'm gonna keep comparing it because like you know like the repetition of the same eighth grade class does it every year on the same island you just don't know which class is going to go so that's it felt really icky 
Because you're like, it's just a machine that these kids are going through. And fuck them if they die. Who gives a shit? And Uh, that's really sad. The attitudes definitely fuck them. But I will say this. For everything that we said about, like, oh, it just drops you in and we don't know the universe. It definitely, the universe is compelling. Like, I definitely want to know more. Definitely. And um, I, I mean, as the utmost compliment when I'm saying it, it reminds me of Final Fantasy again because I am a huge Final Fantasy fan. So No, no, I was going to say, um, I hadn't thought about it until you mentioned it, Brian, but this is very Final Fantasy VIII. Um, <laughs> like, Carrie, I'm, I don't know if you ever played Final Fantasy VIII, but basically uh-uh. you're in mercenary school. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yes. and like, and um, to the point that we we're making, like, yeah, like, you have your group, like, you're, like, you're in class with everybody. But once you you graduated out of mercenary school and you're doing your own missions, you're in competition with the people that you're in class, you were in class with. And then like uh, the main group is led by Squall. That's your group. And then there's Seifer and you're in direct conflict with them throughout the whole game. And even though like they're on they're on a either a supporting mission or the exact same mission, they are trying to kill you so that they're the only ones that can complete the mission. Wow. That gives me such anxiety. That's, that's like just like the right. Yeah, it's so yeah. bleak. Yeah, like, yeah it, it is absolutely. But I, you know, and like I think this once again, you know, like if it seems like it all comes back to mouse, um, and <laughs> and like um, I think one of the big themes of the story is is like know when it's okay to not follow the rules, and to follow your mission essentially like and like you can't you can't always use the excuse oh i was just being told to do this this is why i did this and so like this this is like a, definitely a story about like you know like do what's in your heart and if you know that your mission is is it's contrary to what your beliefs are and stuff like that maybe you shouldn't be doing that mission maybe you should be doing something else but i i think that's also like why this story is so compelling is because as yeah you I think you can say that as like a 45 year old not yeah. that you're 45 but like a 45 or like a 30 year old <laughs> but like what are you doing with the bride <laughs> but like you're making well, him so old <laughs> I know, I'm sorry but like when you're 14 and your frontal cerebral yeah cortex isn't even fully formed or whatever exactly it's like how do you how can you trust those feelings because you're just starting to feel those things anyways and i think that's what the story you've just started um contemplating making decisions like absolutely (laughs) and then and then and and like you know when you're a kid everything's black and white and then you get that there's always those one or two moments where you're like wow there's a lot of gray (laughs) in the world and these kids are experiencing a lot of gray in the worst possible fashion and yeah, um, Carrie, I didn't notice it until you mentioned. Like, um, I obviously I read it, but yeah, the the people that are more fair skinned, that are like from the heart of the empire, mm-hmm. they are much more gung ho about this empire shit. And then the people that yeah. have reservations are all the brown people that yeah. seem to, you know, they they're probably like from annex lands or something. Exactly. But, you know, they're the buffer exactly. states. Kind of like, yeah, like the empire runs stuff, but this isn't all that great. <laughs> so, yeah, because because. Uh, because they can also like even if they weren't alive when the empire took over their land they know right, they had, that they were once on the opposite side of the empire you mm-hmm. know like, right they have a, a context for the pre, pre pre-imperial time exactly yeah exactly yeah. exactly so so it's it's kind of hard to give your heart to to your your former conquerors so yeah it's 
it's it, yeah there's a lot of context in this book and there's it's a there's a lot of onion uh layers to, to peel away and like it's it's pretty cool i like i liked it a lot and so like yeah don't don't get don't get us wrong when, when like, we're like oh it was kind of confusing but you know it's still a very compelling and fun read yeah and, I- I, I just I want to read the real series. Yeah, yeah, and I love Sabah. Um, I think uh, women of color perspectives are very important. Um, she's Pakistani American. She's uh, a wonderful author. She's she has the cutest cat named Sammy. She always posts pics of Sammy on Instagram. Um, I mean, I'm just a huge fan. She has, you know, it's um, uh, I think it's really important to read stories from people who may not always write about white men. And I think it's, you know, the fact that she was able to do a graphic novel version of a prequel uh, series, I think that's amazing. Uh, That was a boom or was it Oni? For which one? For uh, uh, this imprint. Was it Boom? I thought it just was through Boom. Yeah, it's Boom. It's Boom. Yeah. yeah. It's a boom book. So I think the fact that Boom is doing these amazing things and giving YA authors a chance to like really, you know, spread their wings and do other types of art, I think that's incredible. And I'm all about supporting. Uh, I'm all about supporting women of color. I, I, it's being an author is something I wish I would have done. I was, you know. I was never too late. Once. I don't know. I've been told I never. should try it, but I don't know. Of course, you should try. You should yes, <sighs> but I just want to. I just want to cruise. Maybe I can write about cruising. Mm-hmm. Cruise mystery, <laughs> mystery <laughs> no, cruises. Seriously, I you know do uh, it, was it a uh, a murder on the Orient Express but yeah. on a cruise? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, um, you can miss Marvel characters yeah. or Jessica Fletcher. But like, uh, but no, it's uh, if you're interested in any kind of like YA. Um, fantasy novels or this might be a fun little you know appetizer to try it and then see if you even like the the lore the fantasy world and then you can try to get into different types of things at least give her you know um, to the point that you're making um this uh book is done by like a all uh women team yep Uh, Uh and you you just don't get that that often (laughs) you absolutely don't and that's that's pretty awesome yeah pretty great yeah, definitely. Okay. But just like well, we we're saying, like as we, I, I feel bad because we did harp on things being a little confusing. But the art is gorgeous, especially the landscaping, like yeah, the jungles, the landscape work, the desert, yeah. When you finally get the desert at the end is awesome. So yeah, everything looks so beautiful. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, and being confusing is not the fault of the book. It's because we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. And it was yeah, my fault because I picked it. And I'm like, let's read this. Nobody knows anything about it. Let's just all read. But, hey, <laughs> and the thing is that even on its own merits, it's still really good. Oh, yeah, it's But, uh, but yeah. definitely, it, uh, like I was saying about Sacred Six, it was just like, hey, man, uh, you should yeah. know a few other things before you even yeah, attempt absolutely. to read this. Yeah. Someone just threw you into the uh, the deep end of the pool. Here. <laughs> Seriously, all you have to do is read the Wikipedia pa- page full plots and you're good. Okay. Yeah, and awesome. you should be able to do it. But yeah, also, if you want to read the real books, yeah, buy them. I them yeah, and okay, so her books have been um, uh, published in over thirty languages. Um, she has beautiful collector sets. Um, she again, she's iconic for 
uh, Pakistani girls all over the world. I mean, soup because again, she's doing things that maybe women in her home country um, or in her country of heritage have not been able to do. So mm-hmm. she's pretty cool. No, absolutely. And there, um, there is another prequel uh, graphic novel yes. uh, from this year, Spark Within the Forge. Yes. Um, and actually, it just came out last month. Yes. Yes, it did. Yes, it just recently came out. And Marvel, I know you're listening to our podcast. <laughs> we wish. But Do we? I don't know. If, 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 if um, Savanta here wants to write this Marvel, please let her. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. yeah. That would be awesome. All right. Well, okay. Uh, this is my. I, I started these questions uh, last week, and I'm gonna move. I'm gonna pull them over to this week. I think I might just do this for all our main topics going forward. So, what was your your favorite uh, your scene or moment in the uh, in the comic? Who wants to go first? How about Richard? Richard, want to go first? Put you on the. Put you um, on. The, you know, again. It, out of it's a scene or like a moment because it wasn't uplifting but it stuck out to me the most just when they're first discovering the camps and they're seeing like the the slave children like it just it hit me like mm-hmm. like that was the indelible uh usually like i'm like oh this awesome fight scene or this awesome uh splash page but just the bleakness of like those kids were carrying like tubs of poison that looked like they mm-hmm. were bigger and heavier than they were. Mm-hmm. And then if they fell or they spilled it, like they'd be horribly beaten. Mm-hmm. And like that's that's what really stuck out to me in the book. Well, yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, Carrie? Um, my favorite was actually when Elias went to uh Tavi's home to tell Tavi's mm-hmm. dad about him because it was a few panels of silence there mm-hmm. wasn't any dialogue but like i said you could hear the conversation you could hear how quiet elias's voice probably was when he was explaining everything you know um that part made me cry because it's just it's really moving and the the dad's reaction is really moving and you realize that they're all cogs in a machine for a shitty system that doesn't give a crap. And that's really, um, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a little bit of a mirror sometimes, I think, when you read things like that. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you're just like, wow, you know, it's uh, even, in a, fi- even in, a, in a fictional setting, sometimes you're like, wow, there's worse things in the world than what I personally go through. I should be, you know, I'm okay. I may not be happy. I may not like feel all these things, but like, okay, you know, I can care about other people and I can try to get through my own shit. I don't know. That's how I take stuff like that. But yeah, it was a really moving scene. Absolutely. Um, I liked, uh, I think my, my scene because Tavi was always kind of considered the weakest of one of the group. Um, when at, at the very end, when Tavi makes the decision to go basically free, destroy the camp and free the kids. Um, and then you, and it's basically, you never see Tavi actually free the, free everybody, but the way it's, it's expressed is like, like what Carrie was saying when she was going through the story, um, you know, like all, all of the soldiers are, are attacking the, the two other main characters of the story. And, and then all of a sudden just smoke starts building out of the middle of the jungle. And you're like, yeah, fuck, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, that, uh, that pull-out shot is pretty glorious. Yeah, it is cool. 
because they because even you can even tell by the the way the 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 body positions and the body like language of the soldiers they they know exactly what just happened mm-hmm. like they just got fucked yeah exactly. like, yeah like, like, like that, is awesome. that is it's very satisfying in yes, that moment definitely another uh, another uh panel i really enjoyed and i am no in no way shape and form endorsing it but like sometimes it is necessary is uh <laughs> when uh helen spit in one of the twins faces Oh yes. yeah, that was cool too. <laughs> yeah. Like, because it's like they, you know, they were like in a rock and a hard place, and like their team lost. But she was just like, "Fuck it, you're a bastard," and I'm yeah. just gonna spit on you. <laughs> yeah, that was also cool. never spit on anyone, anybody. It's fucked up and it's gross. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, some people are pieces of shit, and you know, <laughs> when something like that happens to them, you just gotta be happy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I have never, ever in my life even considered spitting on someone i don't Neither know how I. You, I don't know how you get <laughs> to that point. i don't think it ever come like i don't even know what how it come to mind like i would yeah, yeah I, exactly I, I, i'm out of i'm out of i'm out of words i'm not gonna fight this is all i got left i guess but yeah, yeah it's not something i ever really considered seems really yeah. gross yeah it does <laughs> it seems nasty exactly no unless it's the planet um from dune um, Arrakis, and you're trying to show that you're sharing your moisture with the other people, <laughs> which is if you Ew. haven't seen Dune or Red Dune, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Oh, right yeah, no, that's me. That's, that's me. <laughs> I recommend yeah, me Dune. Too. Dune's good. Read Dune, watch Dune. It's a good movie. Um, anyways, all right, but we're not talking about that. Um, and uh, so overall consensus, I think we all enjoyed the, the comic, yes, definitely enjoyed it. But like uh, Carrie said. You know, hop on Wikipedia, get a little context. Maybe that'll help ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right. Well, I think that might be it then for our conversation. Um, so we'll go ahead and get to the end of the podcast. Unless you guys have anything you want to add. Mm-mm-mm. All right. So we have reached the end of the Comics is Your Better podcast. And you can like, subscribe. You can do whatever you like to our podcast, but listen to us and hopefully enjoy it. Um, and you can also vamp for time while you're looking for the rest of the information you want to talk about. <laughs> so thank you, as always, to everybody for listening to our show. Email us any questions or comments at better at gmail.com. And Instagram and Twitter is cdbpod. Good pods is also a cdbpod. Uh, website is commonsdeservebetter.wordpress.com. You can request subject for a future show. And uh, don't forget to follow, rate, and tell a friend about the podcast. That's the best way that you can help us all out. And Richard, where can we find you on the internet? Um, I'm TopCat360 on all of social media. Uh, there's going to be a lot of posting about the Miami Heat because we're good. It's going to be so fun <laughs> yeah, for these playoffs. Awesome. We're yeah. good. <laughs> Definitely. And so also, also, I just want to, uh, before we go, I don't think we shattered her out by day, but uh, Sonia Lau really, mm-hmm. really put her foot in this artwork. She's the, mm-hmm. uh, the artist on this book, yes. and she kicked ass. So I just want to make sure we shattered her out by day before we got out of here. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That, thank you for doing that, too. Sometimes we might forget to say, say something like that, but yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. And Carrie, do you have a... Uh, Something in, repl- in placement of uh, your socials? Yes. So um, my nonprofit for this week is going to be the Trevor Project. Hmm. Um, it's the Trevor Project.org. It's a 
for any of our international listeners. I don't know if you guys are international or not. I don't look at the uh, specs. So you're, it's an American nonprofit organization founded in 1998, focused on suicide prevention efforts among the LGBTQIA plus community. Um, in, again, in light of recent events in our world, it's just really important that we celebrate and that we support and we protect uh, LGBTQIA plus youth and peoples who are struggling just because, again, the world is shit sometimes. And if somebody needs help, they can always reach out uh, to the Trevor Project. You can also just Google the Trevor Project, click on the link, and you can be directly um, like put in with a counselor ASAP. You can chat with them, you can text with them, or you can call them directly from like the mobile website. So that's really important to know, I think. Um, and also too, they help, um, they also have a great link for trans youth. And I think again, on International Women's Day, I think all women are women. So if there is, uh, you know, if you want to be a trans ally, that's also a great resource. And then you can go ahead and find some other, uh, you know, some other uh, research and some other background on things of that nature on the website. So that's, I just wanted to highlight them. And they're also named after um, a movie that was a, an HBO like mini movie in 1994 where um, about a, a kid named Trevor who was going to come out as gay and all of his friends were assholes and bullied him and he was going to commit suicide. So um, the actual, when HBO paid these people to make the movie, the people turned around and used the HBO money to um, create the Trevor Project. Hmm. So that, I think that was really cool because oh, they, nice. figured, they figured kids young people who are watching that movie for the first time or even older people may be dealing with the same things that Trevor was. So and the fictional character. So they created the Trevor project. So yeah, oh, super yeah. show. Oh yeah. That's actually, yeah. Very, very good cause to get behind. Yeah. And the world sucks sometimes. So if you could be the, the person that's nice in someone's day. Yeah. Please make yes. Me and if you're a California resident, you can also become a uh, volunteer counselor where they will provide training. Um, either you can be on site and in person in the L.A. area or you can do it all virtually and be like an evening counselor because they do offer 24-7 counseling and you get trained and certified by them. So they're always looking for people. Um, again, it's, I think that's incredible that they've put the bill for you to help other people so mm -hmm. super great that's very cool especially with the things that have been going on like in texas and florida with like the don't say gay bill and and then florida with the trans thing um so so yeah this is important as always not great down here yeah so we definitely need to be the change you know essentially all right well darcy socials darcy is at books underscore she's cereal. books and cereal on twitter yep and, and she's books, books and cereal dot wordpress dot com oh she's books underscore cereal so, on twitter yes yes and books and cereal dot wordpress dot com is yes. her website for her blogging which she's not doing right now as of last week yes so she'll give us an update next yeah week. she'll give us an update all right and i'm at bryjan 
underscore CB on Instagram. And that's B-R-A-I-J-I-N. I know I just say it real fast. But hey, if uh, if you need to know how to spell it, you can go on our website and our, our socials are there as well. So, all right. Oh, and really quick. Yes. Um, in a month is WonderCon in Anaheim, California. Mm-hmm. Brian and I are going. We hope we can convince Richard to go too. And so, um, yeah, if anybody's in the Southern California area or they want to make the trip out here, WonderCon tickets are available. They're all hella cheap uh, and it's happening. So this is the first time in two years. We're super stoked. Actually, yeah, this is the first time. Yeah. So um, definitely. First time in person. Yeah, yeah. first time in person in two years. So if you're interested and you feel like getting, uh, like scratching that con itch, then check it out. Yeah, uh, we're vaxxed and boosted, so we won't get you sick. <laughs> and like you know, and if you see us, and we'll we'll give you stickers if you uh, if you find yeah, us. Yeah, we're gonna be passing out stickers and business cards and so, hanging yes. out and trying to get uh, awesome. Trungley in the Winds uh, autograph on my copy of the Magic Fish. That's- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, um, I think that's it then for our podcast. So uh, for everybody here. Or Richard and Carrie and Darcy, of course, in spirit. I'm Brian, and this has been the Comics is Our Better podcast. And remember, comics is our better, and everyone deserves comics. Bye. Bye. Later.